Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis with me, Dr. Kylie, where I don't care if you have a diagnosis or you don't. I'm going to help you get to the why behind your body betraying you. Now, if you're interested in how you get started, I love numbers. You love numbers too. You just need the right person reading them. To get started, simply go to drkylieburton.com backslash book and you have everything you need to turn your normal labs into answers, healing, and hope. Now, there will be a time in June where there is a wait list. So act sooner than later and let's get you feeling better being the mom, the grandma, the wife, the person you would like to be not just surviving. I'll see you soon. Lindsay Ray is a body image activist. She's the owner of self, the self-love experience. You can find more at bodyimageactivist.com. But today I want her to talk about self-confidence and self-love and throwing out the weight scale. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I I decided to come and join you guys um, and really stand behind what I was saying and go with like a no makeup moment and really just share myself in a raw and vulnerable form with you guys and talk a little bit about the work that I do, the clients that I work with and what I'm learning is a commonality among all women and men, but primarily women when it comes to our body image. Yeah. And our body image, we like to associate with the number on the scale and our value, we like to associate with the number on the scale. And as a functional medicine doctor, I always get asked, well, I want to lose more weight. I will never, ever, ever, ever market a weight loss program. I don't care what the number on the scale is. I don't care what your Mm -hmm. BMI is. I want you to feel good in the skin that you're in so your health doesn't stop you from living your dreams. And that's much larger than the number on the scale. It is. And it's so important because I talk a lot about my history and how I grew up and where I grew up. And both my dad and my sister are professional bodybuilders. So being the black sheep in the family and having PCOS, which makes it extremely difficult to lose weight, It took me a long time to feel like I was worth anything because I didn't look like anyone else in my family. And the depression and what the depression was doing was causing me to be so tired and so lazy that I was gaining weight simply because I wouldn't be active because I felt worse. So it's all interconnected in how you feel about yourself and even being able to move forward and lose weight because your mental health will play a huge impact in even your appetite, which is a huge one for me. I know that when I'm taking the right SSRI and I have the right medication for being really balanced that I won't emotionally eat as much. And I think that so often there's a big neglect and a big disconnect between emotional health and physical health. Yeah. The funny thing is we literally just had our Monday mindset call with um, coach Jen. I need to connect you with her. She came in because what I find is that we can approach the physical healing side of it forever. And most of the people that I work with have tried just about everything under the sun from a physical standpoint. So I've learned that if you're going to heal physically, you have to heal mentally and emotionally at the same time. 
if you're going to see physical healing be accomplished. So she just came on and we did well, we did affirmations, we released energies, we released emotions. So this is a, a perfect follow-up. And if you're listening and you're not inside the membership, you need to be. Healing Beyond the Diagnosis, HBD Tribe. I'll post the comments in the links below. But that's a powerful coaching session we just had as well as combine that with the physical treatments, now we're going to see progress. It is. And there's also the the entire concept of the vagal nervous system as well and somatic healing and how deeply interconnected our body and our minds are. When you don't feel good about yourself, you'll, you'll hold stress in different places. And that's actually the key element that I think sets my work apart from other photographers is that I will look at someone's body and be able to identify exactly where they hold all of their stress and all of their trauma just through observation of where they're holding tension. And, and I always point out there's, there's a core segment, um, I guess a core group of different tension points that I'll notice in my clients. I tend to fall into the ear eaters. So when I get nervous or I get tense, I tend to climb up here, which causes its own health issues because of the compression of my spine and its own issues. I have a lot of clients who, when they're nervous, will make fists or they'll tense up their fingers in a way that that's where they hold their tension. A lot of clients will hold it in their mouth and hold their breath. And then you'll have the clients that will hold it in their toes and curl up their toes. And I find those spots on every single person. And it's always one of those. And it's always the place where if we can release the tension from that spot within the body that you can actually become really present in the moment. So it's so connected. It's so connected, deeply connected. Yeah. So when you're doing photo shoots and you see that they're holding tension where they're holding tension, how do you help them to release it? Great question. So everything for me is about breath work. I went to school for acting and I ended up on the other side of the camera. But one of the classes that we took was all about learning to breathe. Because when you're speaking, it's also about breath control. And again, people don't understand how interconnected it all is. So when I have clients, and I'll use myself, for example, because I can see it happening now when I get nervous, it starts to slowly, slowly creep up is I'll just remind my clients to inhale and then press all of the air out as if they're pushing it through their body and out through the ground. And also visualizations and symbolism are a huge way that you can connect your body to the present moment. I struggled for a really long time with feeling like energy healing and emotions and thoughts were all like frou-frou topics. But then when I started to really understand that energy can't be created or destroyed, it can only be changed. And that that is something that you have the power to do within your own body. I started to be able to take more control over myself and my confidence and be able to be truly present, which I was never able to do before. I love how you said energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be changed. Little physics. Yeah. I am definitely no physics girl, but... I, I love it on a spiritual level because to me, like people are like, what's your religion? And I'm like, I'm very proud to be a Jewish woman. However, I only believe in science. So it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I 
religion, but to me, that is my religion. Understanding that energy, literally, we know that the same atoms that have been on the earth have been here the entire time in different ways, shapes, and forms. Neil deGrasse Tyson does this great speech on Genghis Khan and how we all have Genghis Khan DNA in us. And I would recommend it to anybody to look that speech up by him because it, it talks so much about like the interconnectedness of the world. And you don't even think about things like that. But when you do, it's shifting. It's it's an entire mindset shift to be able to think of how you are connected to other people. And that also, I think, comes into another point that I talk to my clients a lot about, and that's establishing boundaries. I think so much of self-confidence has to come from knowing your own boundaries and setting them, knowing your triggers, knowing the things that might upset you, knowing how to have conversations about those things, knowing how to ask somebody for their emotional capacity and not take offense when they don't have that availability for you. So these boundaries will really guide and and create a pathway. They really do. You know, I like to think again, back to the symbolism. If you think of your boundaries and the people's boundaries in your life, and if you're constantly respecting them, you're creating a path for yourself. And that path will kind of take you on the way to success. And that's important because because so much of our self-confidence will come from thoughts that we think other people are thinking about us but really they're just our own insecurities. So when you learn to respect other people's boundaries, you'll stop feeling like it's your fault all the time. You'll be able to say, oh, you know what? I asked my friend Kristen if she had the capacity to speak right now because I really need to talk to someone about what my mom said. And she said she doesn't have it, but I'm not gonna take offense to it because we've established that type of relationship. And that is a carry into every aspect of my life, every aspect of my business. And to me is the number one thing that defines self-confidence is the ability to respect your and other people's boundaries. How do we have the confidence to set them? That has to come from within. There's no magic trick for confidence. I tell my daughter, I'm a mom. My daughter is going to be eight on Thursday. And one of the things that we always talk about is bravery. And we say, Being brave means that you're afraid, but you do it anyway. And it's such a simple concept that an eight-year-old can understand that I say the same thing to adults. Being brave means that you do it even if you're scared. It means that you take that step, whether you're terrified to or not, because you have enough belief in yourself that you know the results will be good. And that's a really scary thing to do. It causes you to be vulnerable. It causes you to have to really look internally at yourself and it keeps you present. To me, when we talk about confidence, it really comes back to one thing and that's the ability to be present. When you can exist fully in a moment with someone, you're not worried about what they're thinking about you, what the person's going to say when they look at later about what you're doing here and what you're doing there. You're simply existing in the moment. And when you exist in the moment, you don't have to try. You just have to connect. And that's where I believe genuine confidence stems from is the ability to exist in the moment. Yeah, that's so good. So confidence equals set boundaries equals being present, existing in the moment. I'd say you just drew a roadmap for us right there. I love it. Well, you did. I just wrote the notes down. (laughs) 
I love it. I love it. No, it is. And I photographed so many different women. I, like I said, I photographed almost 700 women now in the years that I've been doing this. Women that range from a double zero up to a five X. And we all feel the same way about ourselves. It doesn't matter if you're slender or if you're a size 20 like me, uh, you know, we're all worried about our belly and about our chins and about our arms and about our thighs. It's the same. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how perfect your body is. Every single client comes in with the same insecurities. And that's because we've been faced with Photoshop versions of reality for so long. You know, if you think about our generation, we created Photoshop. We basically redeveloped film and photography. We completely redeveloped the makeup industry and how makeup works. So there's no actual guide in in media to go on for what reality is. So we have these skewed visions of ourselves and what we're supposed to look like because we're looking at images that have been morphed. So it's my job with my clients to constantly have them confront themselves, to take a picture with the back of the camera, spin it around immediately so they can't say it was anything except for them because I literally just clicked the camera. And that starts to take away that comparison monster. And again, helps you to be present because when you can see yourself through someone else's eyes, because we're always our own worst enemies, it's shifting, it's confidence building, it's shift is really is really the word that I feel like my clients use more often than not with me because that's what that's what it does when you can see yourself in that way. Yeah. So are you think are you looking at photography with just like one one girl on the shoot? I do. I my shoots are all one-on-one. I'll only do a couple sessions for return clients. Um, and that's because I think that there needs to be a vulnerability and a breakdown in order to for me to really capture that within someone. So on set, we keep the sets closed. It's my makeup artist, who's also my assistant, myself, and the client. I have done a couple shoots with multiple women. And I find, again, it's really difficult for my clients like me who are thicker to not sit and compare themselves to my slender clients. And there's my slender client wishing her boobs looked like my thicker client. And no, everybody wants to look like the other person. Nobody's... (laughs) You know, this is what the, the media has done to us. And beyond that, there's such, we talk about media and Photoshop and weight, but like, what about age? Why are we fighting it so much? Why don't we embrace it? With age comes knowledge. With age comes wisdom and life. But yet the most beautiful thing in the world, in my opinion, being knowledge is something that we want to erase off of somebody's face. So I struggle with it, you know? I struggle with, makeup and with Photoshop. And and even though I don't have a problem with creating a fantasy, I think that it's so important for my clients to fall in love with their reality. So when they actually come in and see their pictures, we show them with no Photoshop. You don't, we will not Photoshop your pictures until after you choose them. Meaning you have to fall in love with yourself exactly as you are and love the image and invest in yourself exactly as you are. And then if you want, we'll do the editorial retouching because I don't want my clients to be able to say, well, I only look good because of this. I want them to see a picture of themselves and me be able to be like, that's you, girl. That's you. There's no questions about it. And it's it's powerful. That's super cool. There's a, my little boy is way into cars. 
And it used to be Cars 1, now it's Cars 2. It's always like, Mom, can we watch Lightning McQueen number two? <laughs> okay, again for the second time this week or whatever. Yeah. I'm usually in the background, but there's a moment in it where Mater says that his dents are valuable. And he yeah. convinces the girl, I can't remember her name on the show, but she has a dent in her very fancy car. And they're like, oh, well, we can fix that for you. And she says, no, that, that dent is too valuable. And a couple of weeks ago, I got this cut right here on my eye. And it's like my joke now that it's too valuable. And I, listen I love to, it. Yeah, I listened to one a um, TEDx talk. I don't remember who it was or what, the, what it, yeah. where it was or anything. I just remember she told a story about how she wanted to go in and get some surgery done to like some remove some fat from her body. Basically, mm-hmm. she goes in and does her consultation, and then over the period of time from the initial consult to when the surgery was scheduled, she came to this realization that her body tells a story. And she goes off about how, you know, this little arm, this little flab on her arm, you know what? It's carried her three babies. So why should she? Mm-hmm. The scars on her stomach are indicators that she's a mom and she has kids to look after. And she just goes like after every single body part and says, mm-hmm. you know what? My body tells my story. I love that. My client yesterday, my client yesterday came in and she was like, you know what? I love my stretch marks in this shot. There's so much depth and so much dimension. She's like, you can Photoshop the rest of me. Don't touch my stretch marks. She's like, I want them there. I want to be able to look at them as exactly the way that I'm seeing them in this moment as a piece of art, because this is the first time that I've been able to look at them that way. And, and we call them, you know, we don't call them, we don't talk about stretch marks. We call them like battle wounds, you know, like, like birth wounds. My, my belly is all stretched out and I have a belly flap because I had a C-section because 14 hours of natural labor, my daughter did a somersault and went into a split and I had to get a C-section. So I have the scars. And for the longest time, I felt like I wasn't worth anything because of them. Like I was broken, damaged, and unworthy. And so many moms go through that. And and while I have the opportunity of people listening, I try to fit this in whenever I can. But if you are have just had a baby and you're not feeling right, don't be ashamed to ask for help. I had severe postpartum depression. And if my midwives hadn't told, he's now my ex-husband, the signs to look out for and the things that I might say that would require calling someone, we could be not having this conversation now because so much of our worth is entangled in what we look like. And then everyone's going out and they're having babies. And then we have a baby and five minutes later, you log on to Facebook and you've got 30 MLM messages of women telling you hundred different ways that you can lose weight. Nobody says congratulations on having a baby. Nobody says like, oh my God, you look radiant. I can't believe you just brought life into this world. They're like, oh, let me tell you how you could look better because you're not good enough now. And like, it's such a horrible marketing way because you shouldn't have to break someone's confidence down in order to help them feel better and be the best version of themselves. I think we're just, I think we all, I mean, I'm sure I can, I saw it in your eyes as soon as I said it. I think we've all dealt with that type of messaging. Yeah, there was one lady just specifically in this last week. She keeps posting pictures of her program that she just started. And I'm sure it's a great program, but it's all the before and after pictures of weight loss. Mm-hmm. I have now unfollowed her. I don't need that in my feed, nor does anybody else need it in mm-hmm. their feed. Because it's always 
people, when they talk about weight loss, it's like, well, I want to lose five pounds. Then they lose five pounds. I want to lose 10 more pounds. It's never mm-hmm. good enough. Mm-hmm. Even size one, it's still not good enough. It's just this whole concept of be happy, love yourself in your own skin at every stage of life. Exactly. And one of the things that I struggle with, and, and I love getting to talk to doctors about this because I feel like there's always a very big disconnect between body positivity and health. It seems, you know, I, I, I was on a live interview the other day with a doctor who really felt like what I was doing was actually negative because I was telling people to be happy in their bodies. But being happy in your body and making healthy choices are not the same thing. Like I said, I have PCOS. I have a really, really hard time losing weight. I also opt to eat healthy most of the time. Body positivity doesn't mean making unhealthy choices. Body positivity means loving your body no matter how it reacts to the good choices that you make for yourself. Because I never want to be someone that says, oh, you can eat whatever you want. You can do this. Because no, the same way that I believe in consumption and in what you read and what you watch is the same way I think about food. You know, you have to make sure that you're consuming things that are good for you, but you also have to forgive yourself if your body doesn't mold into a Photoshopped version like the magazines. And I I struggle with that because I never want to say anything negative about any type of body because I have clients that they'll come in and they'll say, I don't feel like I'm a woman because I don't have curves. And like, that's a really, really hard thing to hear somebody say when they're about to be so vulnerable in something that's all about expressing femininity. So I always find myself being very careful when I discuss different body types, just because, you know, when you do this type of work, you see everybody in the full spectrum. I had my client come in that was a first place CrossFit bodybuilder. And then that same afternoon, I had a client who was a 5X. The next morning, I had a client who was a double zero who couldn't gain weight no matter how hard she tried and had to get infusions. So when you're constantly looking at so many different women and you're seeing how different we all are, it really causes you to pause and take a break in how we talk about things because just like with losing weight, gaining weight is a really big problem too. There are so many more women than I ever realized that struggle with weight gain. Maybe even just as many of my clients that struggle with weight loss. And that's something I would have never known if I wasn't in this line of work before. Yeah. When you say struggle with weight gain, what are you talking about? So I have clients that are extremely, extremely slender that struggle no matter how much they eat or drink Ensure or take different supplements. They're just not retaining the weight. They're not gaining weight. And I run into that way more than I ever realized. It's a surprisingly common situation. To me, it's almost, almost equal to my clients that are struggling to lose weight. Yeah so many different women and we're all looking at each other wishing that we looked like the other person and nobody's happy with themselves until now because they're listening to us and they're realizing that I'm going to be confident in my own skin and my body as Mater says I have valuable dents yes those dents don't need to be replaced or covered up or whatever you want to think of like think of if you have a car with a dent or a scratch my, I have a vehicle we bought new at the end of last year and it's got scratches. And people mm-hmm. ask me, well, did this already have it when you got it? Yeah, so what? 
I mean, I have kids. I it's part of my story. It's who I how I live. I'm not going to worry about hiding the dents and washing the car all the time because that's telling my story of life. And it's the same exactly. with your bodies. Allow allow your body to tell your story of life. Don't try to cover it up. I agree. One million percent. At the same time, I want to say like loving yourself is a lot of work. <laughs> it's really hard to do. And like, it's so often people are like, love yourself. It's easy. And I'm like, no, loving yourself means confronting the things about yourself that you don't like and trying to understand why. A good example for me is I, I would find that I would get very jealous very quickly. And that was something that I didn't like about myself. So self-love had to come with not just being like, well, don't be jealous. It had to come with that deep intrinsic work of digging in. Okay, well, why am I feeling this way? All right, well, when my dad said this to me in high school, it made me feel like this. And I always go back to that moment. And I'm like, well, what do I need to do in order to address that now? So when we talk about self-love, I think it's really important to make it something that is really effective and tangible by showing that it is work, but it's good work. And the, when you work through those feelings and you confront them as they come to you, you actually get to heal. And as you're healing in your mind, your body's going to heal along with you. I mean, I had a car accident and I, you know, I talk again about my shoulders and I find that as I'm starting to confront these traumatic issues from when I was younger that had settled into my mind so deeply into who I am as a person that as I work through them, my body is also releasing it just with my mind. So it's a it's the same interconnectivity of, of body and mind, but giving yourself the space to know that it's not easy. I struggled so much when I started this business with, you're supposed to love yourself exactly as you are. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't look at myself and immediately like myself. I had to do the work. And I think that the work is where real self-worth comes in, digging deep. If, you, if someone were to get started on doing this work, where do you recommend? I have started this habit for myself and I would recommend it to everybody. I don't like to use the term meditation because I think that it, again, can be construed as almost like a frou-frou type of concept, but I call it my mindfulness time or my brainstorm time. And every day for one hour, I will go for a drive or go for a walk and I will think and I will allow every thought that comes into my head to fully play out and then ask myself the question, what do I need from this feeling? And it's so simple and it's so little, but to confront my thoughts instead of running for them is the easiest way to release fear and tension from your body. And it's it's healing me physically. I mean, I'm I'm not binge eating my feelings anymore because I'm actually addressing them. I'm not coming home at night and eating everything in sight because I don't want to feel things. I'm not working myself sick anymore because I don't want to confront things. Just that one hour a day of thinking time where I refuse to run from my thoughts has been the biggest shift for me. And that is the number one piece of advice that I can give. And if you can't cut out an hour, cut out 15 minutes, do it on your drive to work but take that time with no distractions. Love it. All right, ladies, you heard the challenge. Designate a specific set of time, 10, 15 minutes even. Think through your thoughts and then ask yourself, what do I need from this thought? And do you need to release it? Then let it run. That's it. I love it. 
I love it. And it's my whole concept is small, actionable steps. On the window of my storefront, it actually says, you don't have to love yourself today, but today you need to take a small actionable step towards what you're going to do to like yourself a little bit more tomorrow. And it says that uh, in my storefront window, so it faces the restaurant across the street. So everyone is sitting You need to text me a picture yeah. of that so I can- I will, I'll send, you, I'll send you a picture of it. That's the concept is you don't, you don't have to love yourself today, but every day you have to take one actionable step. Just a small thing. And, and that small thing can be as little as looking in the mirror. That sounds so silly. But do you know how many women struggle to look at themselves in the mirror? Like actually look at themselves. Putting on makeup doesn't count because you're looking at one little tiny section of your face at a time. But how many women will actually stand in front of the mirror and look at themselves? It is an extremely difficult thing to do. And it's something I force my clients to do. Um, during their sessions. I'll take them back in. I'll adjust their clothes to make sure they're sitting on their body in the way that they would if I were to put them in a magazine. And I'll show them, you're no different from these girls in the magazine. Come look at yourself in front of the mirror. And I always see they get touching the tummy or, you know, their chin or whatever. I'm like, just look at the whole you, take five steps back, stop nitpicking and look at yourself the same way that you would look at your friend. And when you can start to look at yourself in the mirror and talk about yourself the same way that you would talk about your best friend, it's kind of freaking hard to say really bad things about somebody that you love. So when that person's you and you make it difficult to speak bad of yourself, it's a change. And it's it's like take five steps further back from the mirror. Don't nitpick. Think of your reflection and speak of yourself only the way that you would speak of your closest friends. Treat yourself the way that you would want other people to treat you. Set your boundaries and respect them. All right. Thanks, Lindsay, for joining us. Let us know in the comments what you guys thought. If you want to go learn more, she is at bodyimageactivist.com. And let's start loving ourselves a little bit more than we did yesterday. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. And anybody reach out with any questions. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie, where I don't care about your diagnosis if you have one or if you don't. I will help you get to the underlying cause of why your body has betrayed you and help to reverse it so you can live your life on your terms. Today, our special guest is Lisa Dahl. Lisa is a non-diet intuitive eating health coach. You can learn more about her at lisadahlwellness.com, L-I-S-A-D-A-H-L, wellness.com. Lisa, I am so glad you have joined us today because you mentioned that you completely take weight loss off the table. So I'm interested to hear your approach in regards to food and wellness and weight in general. So welcome on. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talking food and talking about how you don't have to lose weight to be healthy is one of my favorite things to talk about. Well, let's get started because we need that topic. Yes. As women, we are told and have this idea of how our bodies are supposed to look. And we start the merry-go-round of dieting or the roller coaster, which most people refer to of dieting probably most of us in our early teens and 
are on a diet, off a diet, on a diet, off a diet, and repeat that cycle for years and years and years and wonder why it doesn't work. And the diet works for a little bit and then it doesn't. And what has been really discovered is that there's the thin ideal and most of us don't fit that thin ideal. Learning to, I refer to it as listen, trust and respect your body takes all the food rules out of your daily life. Ditch the diet, understand how to communicate with your body, ask you the questions, what am I feeling? What do I need? As opposed to trying to fix it with eat this, eat that at this time with this amount and changing the entire approach and your thought process and understanding that thin or weight doesn't equal health, that there are plenty of people in fat and larger size bodies that are extraordinarily healthy and that it is often more unhealthy to be in a thinner, smaller sized body. So it's really turning everything that you have taught to be true and flipping it on upside down. So how did you get to this thinking? Because I'm sure you were in the same so it, shoes as everybody else. Yes. So this is this is from my own journey as well as through my education. So I am a former dieter, started dieting at the age of 12 or 13 and was a fastidious dieter probably until I was about 52. I'm now 55. I changed careers at the age of 50 and I'm a former caterer. So I've always been about food. I've always been about health and wellness. I have restricted, I have deprived, I have rebound. And I thought, well, from all my experience, I'm an expert at dieting. All I need is a little education and then I can help women diet too. And what I discovered is that I had my own disordered eating pattern. And when I was going through my health and wellness coaching, I originally started out saying, okay, like this makes sense. I'm going to help women lose weight here, here, and here. And then I started to realize how uncomfortable I was feeling when it was way in day and the anxiety and the judgment of it's a good day, bad day, and falling into this uneasy pattern. And when I took weight loss off the table, it changed the conversation. And then I discovered intuitive eating and ended up going through and getting certified through um, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, the original intuitive eating experts. And that is what changed my life personally and professionally. And it is probably now, it's been a couple of years and the restrictions and the deprivations are gone. And I don't look at my body and say, it's going to be a good day or a bad day. I don't get on my scale. One of the things that I always encourage the women that I work with is to go to the highest place that they can, whether they live in a house or an apartment or a condo, open the window and throw out the scale and watch it shatter. Because <laughs> that is where it belongs. We, I was just on a podcast interview yesterday with her. A name, her name is Allison and she's a, a trainer. And we literally said on there, throw the weight scale in the garbage. And I like that. Go out to the top of the highest level of your house and just drop it and watch it shatter and do it. It's like, it'll probably be the best thing you guys have ever done. When when I was in med school, we did a cadaver lab. We had to do the entire 
cadaver lab. And if I knew what I was signing up for, I probably wouldn't have done it, but it is what it is. And I made it through it. And the clothes that we wore in the cadaver lab were just wretched, just absolutely wretched. And it was like one of the greatest feelings was lighting those things on fire. And I'm sure (laughs) dropping the weight scale for someone who has deemed that as their quality of life or as who or that's given them the validation that they're searching for or that it hasn't given them the validation because they're constantly trying to find five pounds less five pounds less when I get to this size I'm going to feel better and if you can take that completely out of your life it's now one you can enjoy food again and two you can enjoy life again and no matter what size shape form you are And I want to bring this up just a little bit here because I was literally thinking about this last night, scrolling through my Facebook feed and I see prom is happening right now and for the teenagers. So a lot of moms are posting prom pictures of their kids. And I saw this one girl, she was wearing this gorgeous dress and it fit beautifully on her. The reason why I say it fit beautifully on her is because she rocked her curves. Her curves in that dress were just absolutely stunning. Whereas somebody else who was in a Barbie doll type, slim, no curves, wouldn't have been able to wear the same dress like she did. So it really is about our accepting our body shapes, accepting us, and not worrying or comparing ourselves to somebody else. So I love this, love, 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 love this idea. So Lisa, walk us through your mindset on how you got from point A to point B with changing the whole mindset process in regards to more intuitive eating. It really comes down to shifting from judgment to curiosity. When you take judgment off of the table and you start to ask yourself questions and especially starting with diet culture, where does it come from? Like, where did this idea come from that we are supposed to be this? Because if you look at the history a hundred years ago, a woman who was full bodied and curvaceous, that was a sign of somebody who had status. Mm -hmm. And then enter in, you know, the BMI. The BMI was for the insurance companies. It wasn't to measure somebody's health. Then it got flipped into, well, if you fit into this, we're going to save you money so that somebody else can make money. And it's all about advertising and marketing. And it has nothing to do with who we are as individuals. And now, finally, I mean, intuitive eating has been, you know, formally around for a little over 25 years, and it's just starting to become a word that people are hearing. And then the diet industry is starting to hijack it. Oh, you can do intermittent fasting with intuitive eating. No, you can't. So but by going back to the question is, where is it from? And it is about understanding and asking, you know, where is this info coming? Where is this information coming from? Is this really true? How do you understand that you are more about your, you know, what's in your brain and in your heart? and not the vessels that we have been dropped into. What is your history? You know, what do your ancestors look like? What is your DNA? What is your stress level? What is your socioeconomics? It has nothing to do that we can't control how our bodies look. And one of my favorite new lines is from a book that I just read by Lindsay Kite and Lexi Kite. And the title is More Than a Body, Your Body is an Instrument, Not an Ornament. 
how do you start to break down those barriers and understand, you know, what is health? Health is not a number on the scale. And when you start to change the lens on which you're looking at and be willing to discuss a different perspective and understand your thoughts, that's where you can start to change how do you want to feel and change your thoughts on how you want to feel. So it's it's kind of like breaking down, like here you are, where you are is not working. You're not feeling good about yourself. Let's let's see how do you want to feel and how do we change those thoughts so that you start to feel embodied and comfortable in your own skin and measure progress by your energy level and how your body feels and what does your digestive tract look like? What does your stress level look like? How do we how do we embrace our full bodies and not be stuck on what we physically look like? Yeah, and I'm a big fan of that. I work with a lot of people who are very sick and they've tried every physical treatment under the sun. And the more I learn about the mindset and the more I learn about these additional components, not just physical, but that lead into physical health, the mindset is the most important piece of it. And if we can get people, all ladies and everyone who's listening, uh, stop focusing so much about what the weight scale says and losing weight and just focus more about your your body is an instrument. Use it to do good. Right. And then the confidence is going to come back and you can right. rock the outfit, whatever outfit that is for you. Exactly. And it is... It's how, you know, it's all about how do you want to feel like you can't, we can't control our weight. The the studies are, are very clear that 95% of us that go on diets are going to regain the weight. And on top of that, you're going, most or a lot of women will regain additional weight. You hit your stride in a weight loss plan in about five, six months, one to five years the statistics are where they're showing that the weight gain is at about 95% of us will regain that weight. How many times do you want to torture yourself? How do you accept your here and now body? Because there's so many things that we can have choices over. And then there's other things we can't. Some part of our health is just our health. It's part of our DNA and it's part of our genetics. How do we work with the things that we can change? How do we work with the things that will make a difference? And intuitive eating is a practice. You can't fail it so that you don't wake up tomorrow and say, I'm an intuitive eater. I'm practicing intuitive eating so that if you decide that I'm going to have donuts and ring dings for breakfast, so what? How, you know, how did it make you feel? Why did you choose to have those? What was it that made that choice? And because you made that choice, it doesn't mean that you have to go down that rabbit hole and the whole day is shot to shit because you made a choice at eight o'clock in the morning that it doesn't have to be that same choice at 8 p.m. that night. Every time you choose to eat or every time you choose to go do something, it is that moment in time. So it takes a lot of mindfulness within that practice as well. Because when you are present, it makes a difference on how your body feels. Dieting is all about calories and macros. Nobody asks you, are you satisfied? Are you hungry? Are you full? We go, you know, you get that that diet and it says you can have X number of calories. You do the mental math and you're like, okay, I can have 400 here. I can have 300 here. I can have six. 
nobody's asking you, what does your body need? What are you feeling? What feels good to you? Satisfaction is the hub of intuitive eating. So it takes into account on honoring your hunger, honoring your emotions with kindness, gentle movement. Nutrition is last so that you don't get hung up on the details. The more that you listen to your body, the easier it is to take weight off the table. When you give yourself unconditional permission to eat, it changes the restriction and the deprivation relationship that you have in your body. Most of us will think, okay, I'm going on a diet in the morning, get that last supper in, 11, you know, at 11.59 and 59 seconds, you got to get it all in because tomorrow you're never eating any of this again. When you give yourself permission to eat, you lose that drive that you have to eat it all right now. So there's a lot of different practices to discover your relationship with your body. And it's not about the food. It is about your mindset on, on how you are receiving and perceiving information. Yeah. I always like to ask people, when was the last time you actually sat down and ate something and thoroughly enjoyed it? And actually said to yourself, man, this tastes so good. When was the last time we actually did that and allowed ourselves to enjoy eating that meal? It doesn't happen often. It's enough. It's interesting. Yeah, it's at all. And what's interesting is last summer, I had went to visit a friend of mine. Um, I'm in Massachusetts and we went to the Cape for the weekend and it was a Saturday night and it was four of us, two couples. And we had just finished dinner and my girlfriend said, you know, who wants to go out for ice cream? And usually I'm the quiet one. And I said, you know what, I'll go. The guys didn't want to go and we went and we stood in line and we ordered and I got my own and we sat on a picnic bench and we ate it and we chatted and it was about a half an hour. And she looked up to me and she says, I've known you for 23 years. This is the first time that we have ever gone out for ice cream, that you didn't just have a bite, have a taste, discuss how many calories, should it be low fat? Should I do the yogurt? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I thoroughly enjoyed the time together, the experience, no drama, no stress, no pit in my heart and my chest that I was you know, breaking my diet. And that was just such a moment of saying like, look at how far I have come. And that is how I work with my clients is to have that food freedom and body peace. And it can be done when you do the work and discover what, where do those thoughts come from and how do we want to shift those thoughts? How do we want to feel? How do we get out of that diet jail? Give us the first step. Give us the first step out of that diet jail. I like that word, diet jail. <laughs> the first step is really recognizing diet culture. What does your social media look like? What are you reading? What are you seeing? What are you surrounding yourself with? When you look at your social media feed, if all you're looking at is before and after pictures and these thin Barbie women, if you start to dump the junk and change your feed to people who look like you or who look just like a normal, I mean, there is no normal, just that what different size women look like, it becomes easier to accept 
that not everybody is part of the thin ideal. Social media, everybody puts their, you know, it's kind of like, here I am, this is my best picture. Nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Surround yourself with images and people that have similar thoughts and ideas and aspirations on how you want to feel and how you want to think, as opposed to torturing yourself looking at these thin ideal bodies that most of us will never be. So how do you dump the junk? If you're at a, you know, if you're standing in line at the supermarket and you're looking at all this diet stuff, turn it around or find something else to look at. You have a choice. We created what we all look at and see, recreate what you want to look at and see so that you can start to build yourself up versus constantly tear yourself down. What was the big help for you as you made this change yourself? What was the shining moment? I would say that having just the freedom to be in my body and not depend on what the scale was, if it's going to be a good day or a bad day, it just got exhausting. And when I started to, the, the biggest thing was I read the book Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon. And that was really my entryway into saying like, oh my, like there is another way that all this information doesn't have, is not really true. That there is two sides to this coin. And I like the other side. That side is the one that resonates with me. That gives me peace to be. And it also changed that I'm with a partner who accepts my body, that I'm not judged every time I am dressed or undressed. He looks at me as who I am as a person and not about the way that my body looks. And that part of the conversation has shifted dramatically. The way that my marriage was, was that it was always about how you looked and how you dressed. And and my partner now is very accepting. And that really has helped me to accept who I am. And yeah, I'm not as thin as I used to be. So what? I am active. I am. I feel good healthier. in my body. And, and health is different to different people. For me, my idea of health is being able to go out and hike in the woods for two hours, to be able to go mountain biking, to enjoy delicious food, and, and to have a choice that if I want to have ice cream, so what? And that it's really okay that I have, that I don't need to have three scoops of ice cream. That's right now, like a spoonful of ice cream before I go to bed, that kind of fills me up. Like that's all I need. I don't know, you know, I don't know why it is at 11 o'clock at night that I want that, but it's one spoonful. And I don't feel like I'm cheating. I don't feel like I'm getting it in. It's there and I don't, and I can have what I want. And there's some nights we sit on the couch and I can have a scoop of ice cream and I'm perfectly fine with that. Right now I've noticed like, hmm, I want it. And I'm like, okay, walk to the freezer and have it. And I don't hide it. I do it out in the open. We all think we can hide it from ourselves if our backs are turned or if we're in our pantry or nobody is watching. Now it's kind of like, I'm going to have a scoop, you know, I'm going to have a spoonful of ice cream. Nobody really cares and neither do I. That's, that's powerful right there. And when it comes to female and hormones, our hormones are driving factors for some of those foods that we crave. Whether you're in your first half of your cycle or your second half of your cycle, you will crave different foods. When you're in pregnancy, you're going to crave different foods. And I love the idea of allowing yourself to eat when you want to eat and eat what you want to eat. 
and not worrying so much about the negative connotation that we all have with food, whether it's the 2,000 calorie overhead umbrella hanging over our shoulder or whether it's, you know, so-and-so says that I can't eat this to make myself healthy. And there's this term called orthorexia. Have you heard of that term? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, orthorexia is when you take health, like eating healthy to the extreme. It actually inhibits our social interactions and we're so paranoid about what we're eating. Just let it all go, throw the weight scale out the window, break it. As we're finishing up here, Lisa, we've talked about diet gel. We've talked about listen, trust, respect your body. And that takes all the food rules out. Any last tips, tips and tricks or words of advice for us as we start? Um, on the last thing is, is that how to become the expert on you. Get rid of the food rules. Get rid of everybody telling you what to do. And the, the really just take time and learn how to go back to that listen, trust, and respect so that you can be the expert on you. That you don't have to eat at 7 a.m. You don't have to eat at noon. Learning to understand what fullness feels like. Learning to understand what hunger feels like. Compassion is huge and binge eating and overeating. Those are tools that have kept you resilient. It's not a bad thing. It's the signal that says something's going on. Be willing to move from that judgment to curiosity because it's not about the food. How do we build your self-care toolbox to include other things than food when the food is no longer working? I love it. Well said. Well, guys, Lisa can be found at lisadollwellness.com. She is our non-diet intuitive eating health coach. And I hope you learned something as much as I did. Pay attention to your body signals. It tells you what you need and what you don't need and when you need it and when you don't need it. So listen up, ignore all the noise and listen to what your body is telling you. I have a challenge after listening to Lisa and Lindsay. I want to challenge you to throw the weight scale out the window, literally. Find somewhere where you can watch that scale shatter and know that the next time you look in the mirror, you're going to be more confident than you were the last time you did. You're going to love your body more. You're going to love who you are more because ultimately your body tells your story and it is purely yours just like your fingerprint love yourself have confidence in yourself and be healthy on a level in which the scale does not determine what healthy is for you Throw that scale out the window. Take pictures of it. Post it on social media and tag Dr. Kylie in the picture. I want to know how liberating it felt to throw the scale out the window and watch it shatter. Share this with your friends. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're wondering how to get started on turning your normal labs into answers, healing, and hope, go to drkylieburton.com backslash book. Remember, June, at some point, there will be a waiting list. So do it sooner than later. I'll see you soon.